everybody, it's Drags. It's Wednesday, September 4th. Time for episode 314 of Patriots Beat on the CLNS Media Network. Find us at clnsmedia.com and follow us on Twitter at Patriots CLNS. Am I ever pumped for the National Football League season number 100? It starts this weekend. The Patriots get underway against the Pittsburgh Steelers. This week, I welcome back Alex Barth, covering the Patriots for CLNSmedia.com. Find him, as always, on Twitter, at RealAlexBarth. No underscores, no periods, just R-E-A-L-A-L-E-X-B-A-R-T-H. Welcome back, Alex. Can you not wait for banner number six to be raised Sunday night? Uh, let me let me tell you that vi- I thought I could, and then the Patriots posted that video last night. I don't know if you saw it yet, with all their banner raisings and some Bruins banner raisings and some Celtics banner raisings and some Red Sox banner raisings, and I've been able to sleep since. I'm I'm ready to go for the banner. I am ready to go for the season. Um, it's been especially with the Red Sox doing what they're doing. It's just felt like a long time since we've really gotten to watch some good sports, and uh, football is the best of the sports. So I cannot wait for well Thursday night. I'm just excited to watch Thursday night, and then of course Sunday night Patriots Steelers. How much do you think the league wanted these two teams uh, to match up on Sunday night football because of the fact? that they are the top two Super Bowl winning franchises. I mean, some people, I mean, early on thought that, oh, you know, this is uh, the Patriots trolling the Steelers. But, of course, the schedule makers belong in the NFL office and not in Foxborough. Uh, despite what some people may think. Correct. But, um, I, you know what? I think they did it perfectly, and I know people were upset that the Patriots didn't get the Thursday night opener, and I was at first, too, but it kind of makes sense. I am Bears. not disappointed, by the way. Not to no, cut I'm you not. off. Well, I'm just he, happy to have the the extra three days to bring some more no- normalcy because right. I I am not a big fan of Thursday night football. So I'll say, as a reporter, I'm happy about it. As a fan, not so much because I love having that first Sunday where I can just sit down and, and red zone and all that. But no, they got it right because you have Bears Packers, the anniversary of the first game. You have the two oldest teams, and then you have the two teams with the most championships. And you know this will be the first time that two teams meet with twelve Super Bowls combined. It's never happened before. It's going to be history. And I, I mean, I think they got it right. You have the two original franchises, and then hard, it'd be hard to argue the two most successful franchises in league history as your two marquee games to start. So, I, I mean, I think they got it right. I do. The Thursday banner, you know, it's easy to say, oh, they were sticking it to the Patriots, and why don't the Patriots get the Thursday opener? No. They, for once, and mark the date and time, because I don't say this often, but the NFL got this one right. I think they did, too. By the way, speaking of Red Zone TV, I got to tell you something, Alex. Um, I went to a retail big box chain store, I'll leave it at that, uh, on Labor Day, and I invested in a new 55-inch 4K TV. Ooh. It is made for watching Red Zone TV. It's made for – I will really only get the chance to watch college football because, obviously, uh, I'll be at most Patriots games in person. Um, right. But Well, so let me tell you this then. Yeah. I don't know. Are you familiar with ESPN Goal Line? I am. That's I just discovered that last year. It's the best. It is the best. And I'm telling you, um, I think the two sports that lend itself uh, to 4K and 
you know, and regular HD TV uh, in this day and age are the our football, NFL, and college, yeah, and uh, hockey. I think those two sports on a huge uh, or bigger uh, 4K screen, it, there's nothing like it. You're mesmerized by it, and you just the sharpness of the picture just makes you feel like you're right there. I love it. I'm addicted. Football is the one sport I will say that I think is better on TV than in person. Not that I don't love going to the games, and I'm sure there's a million people like, oh, if you like watching on TV, give up yep. your credentials. Yep. <laughs> I, I, it's, it's being in there, being there in person is special too, but football on TV is just, I feel like you get more of the experience. Whereas like, you know, baseball, you gotta be at a baseball game. Baseball, honestly, TV is third to me, the ways to consume baseball. I go in person, then radio. Than TV for me for baseball. If I have the choice, I'll listen to the game instead of watch it. But football, it's it just sets up so well for a video broadcast. Well, the reason we go to the games in person, they're twofold. First of all, it's to watch up close some of the things that the TV broadcast doesn't have the time or the resources to dedicate to, like things that happen on the sideline, adjustments, injuries, players being treated uh, on the sideline. Even things pre-game that, you know, they wouldn't be on the TV broadcast. Absolutely. that That's point number one. And point number two, the reason you go to any game uh, in person nowadays is to go into the locker room and talk to players right. and coaches. You are asking the questions, or you're supposed to be asking the questions, <laughs> that the fans would ask themselves and give a little flavor uh, of the game that you would never get by just watching it on TV. Those are the two reasons. Although how long until the NFL makes it a feature where after the game you can like tweet in post-game questions to players and they'll have a representative in the locker room literally asking the players the fans I question. I don't think that's – Post-game red zone. Yeah, I don't think so um, because um, I don't think the players will sign off on it. And I just don't think the players uh, understandably would be – you can no, count I, on I, them I to do that. Like that. And I'm sure the league would ask them to do it, but you know you can't hold their feet to the fire. Okay. Five – if they charge $5 a question, $5 to ask a question. Who I'm like being sarcastic. Go ahead. Continue. Yeah. I, um, let's get back to the business at hand. Okay. All There's right. a game uh, Sunday night, and the Patriots have their first 53-man roster. Actually, have their second, if you include uh, Demarius Thomas being uh, brought back on on Monday. Call it uh, roster 1.1. That's right. actually how I referred to it that way earlier. And Nikhil Harry. Uh, being placed on injured reserve um, with uh, what was reported uh, by Adam Schefter as an ankle injury. He's been dealing with that for most of uh, training camp, but uh, Harry would be eligible to come back and return this season. David Andrews, on the other hand, uh, is on injured reserve for the uh, entire season. He is not eligible to return um, uh, due to the blood clot situation uh, in his lungs. So um, what were the biggest surprises? What were the biggest takeaways uh, from that roster cut on Saturday, Alex, to you? So I'll start big picture. Just a takeaway for me, they're in win-now mode. This is a team, and, and some of it goes to Hoyer. Some of it goes to taking the risk to make sure they can get Nikhil Harry on IR instead of having him miss the whole season, all of that. This is a team that's trying to put together a roster to win now. They're acting like a team with an older quarterback who knows their window's closing. So that that was my big takeaway is there were some young guys they could have t- kept. You look at guys like Duke Dawson, uh, 
you know, players in that sort of situation that they let go to, to keep veterans on the roster. This is a team that's trying to get back to and win another Super Bowl right now. They're not as focused on the future as they usually are. Not saying that it's a bad thing. I actually like it. But that was my big observation. In terms of surprises, I mean, this is the most obvious answer I, I might give all year. All the questions I'm asked about the Patriots is Gunnar Oshevsky making the practice, uh, making the team. Unbelievable story. I was flirting with the fact it might happen after the Giants came, but I just, I couldn't bring myself to put it on paper. That's why Bill makes the big bucks and I don't. But, you know, an awesome story. We'll see how long he sticks around because remember, Lance Kendricks is only one week suspension. So somebody's getting cut next Monday, if not before then, to make room for him. We'll see how long he sticks around, if it's a Riley McCarron situation or if he can establish himself as the returner on this team. But what a great story. He's going to be really fun to follow and he's going to help them. Outside of Olszewski, I don't know that they really, besides Edelman, have a punt returner on their roster. Edelman's getting up there in age. And I know Bill Belichick likes to say football players play football, but he has to be realistic about Edelman's limitations and his importance to the team. And look, if it's the fourth quarter and you need a run back to win the game, sure, you throw Edelman back there. But for most of them, to have another guy back there who you can feel, who you feel can competently do the job, that's huge. And I just mentioned Riley McCarron, and they tried this with him last year, just like, all right, you take the low-impact returns. The difference was he had 25 returns in college over four years. Gunnar Oshevsky was an all-American returner, albeit at D2, that's still very impressive. So I actually think he has a chance to hang around. We'll see what he does against the Steelers. We'll see if he breaks any off. But that was a big surprise for me, and I don't think the surprises are done from him. I actually expect him to hang around here for a bit. I'm going to read you a quote from Bill Belichick from his Tuesday uh, conference sure. call with uh, the reporters. I'd like to. I I'd, I'd say, like most players in his situation, he's very competitive. Wants to do whatever he can. Is eager to learn. Wants to try and play in the National Football League and earn a productive spot on the team. Pretty much like everyone else does. Um, I think he has a long way to go. He has a good opportunity, and we'll see what happens. The reason I read that quote. That, to me, if you read between the lines, and yeah, it's always dangerous to do that with Bill. <laughs> but you have I to. think I think they see him as a player who's going to stick around and develop into something. I, I don't know. Julian Edelman's a high is the gold standard, but I think develop into a player um, who finds his way a cog in the offense. Oh, yeah, but not only that, Alex, but he finds his way. In the organization. And if you remember Julian Edelman, he went through a lot of ups and downs in his first two to three yep. years. I mean, it was, you know, he had fumbles when he was a punt returner as a young player. Um, he was on the outs, uh, as a wide receiver. I mean, he was barely on the outskirts and uh, on, uh, Tom Brady's consciousness. Uh, but then he worked and worked and worked and all of his hard work, all of his showing up at 5.30 in the morning, every single morning, sometimes beating Tom Brady to the facility. That left an impression, and I think that's what they uh, see poten- potentially uh, Gunnar Olszewski doing. No, it's a, it's a really good comparison to make with him and Edelman. Even if he's not Edelman, if he becomes a guy – look, he is very raw as a wide receiver right now. He was a defensive back in college. I mean he's been playing wide receiver for all of four months. But if he – and this is exactly what Edelman did. If he could hang around as a punt returner for a year – 
and work on becoming a better wide receiver, then when the time comes where they need a wide receiver to step up, you know, this year they're so deep, they don't really need him to right now. When the time comes for wide receiver to step up, like it did with Julian Edelman when Wes Welker left, maybe he gets himself ready to grab that spot. So yeah, like you said, I, I mean, I, I think the term that when, when Belichick says he has a great opportunity here, they understand this kid has untapped potential. It's just not here right now. And I think that's where this miscommunication comes in where you see a lot of people assuming because they kept him, oh, he's the next Julian Edelman. Oh, this is great. Like that's he's not there yet and he may never get there. And let's temper our expectations on him right now. I have people asking me if they should draft him in fantasy. No. That's silly. I mean, that's ridiculous. Right. It it is. But what what I said before about how this is a win-now roster and and all of that, there's always an exception to every rule. Gunner's the exception to the rule this year. This is a project that they're going to keep around, and you know, there's there's a lot of potential upside here. It's far from exposed, but it's there, and they're going to see how much of it they can get out. Speaking with Alex Barth of CLNS Media covering the New England Patriots along with Evan Lazar, myself, and Sierra Goodwill. While baseball season is in full swing, placing a wager on baseball has never been easier, folks, with all of the best odds. They can be found at betonline.ag. This week, the Red Sox are in desperation mode once again against the New York Yankees at Fenway Park. It's a four-game wraparound series starting Friday and ending Monday. The division's out of question, but the wild card is not. Get in on the action now. But wait, can you believe the NFL regular season is already upon us? It's hard to believe. I mean, I pinch myself. I can't believe it. But NFL season number 100 is here. And to celebrate another season kickoff, BetOnline.ag and CLNS Media are giving you a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Head over to betonline.ag or use your mobile device to join today. Use that promo code CLNS50 to receive your welcome bonus. Don't sit on the sidelines this football season. Get into all the action with betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Please see BetOnline's general rules for additional terms and conditions. All right, Alex, you know and I know when the Patriots start an NFL season, it doesn't always go like the Patriots fans would hope. They're not going to go 16-0 and every single year. Last couple of years, two years ago, they lost to the Chiefs on the night they raised their last Super Bowl banner, Super yep. Bowl uh, 51 banner. Last year, of course, they started off 1-2 and two and people were panicking around here. This is the year they fall off the cliff. Well, obviously they regrouped and while they didn't look great down the stretch, they made it to the Super Bowl. They won Super Bowl number 6. How much of a feeling out process do we see from them this year? Offensively, I think a good amount. Uh, Brady's got a lot of new weapons around him. There's a new left tackle. It's, it's, it's going to be a good amount offensively. I mean, a good amount relative to them. I still think they'll be able to put up points. I still think they'll be able to keep the, the Patriots in games. They do have a relatively easier schedule when it comes to opposing defenses between teams like the Steelers and the Dolphins and the Bills. So they're okay, but I don't, it might even be a thing where we don't necessarily realize how much of a feeling out process it is until they truly elevate their game in November or December, and we're going to look back on September and be like, oh, remember at the beginning of the season when they were nowhere near this? Defensively, I'm expecting this team to come out of the gate defensively guns blazing. 
Me the too. Only, the Me only too. question is they do have a new defensive play caller, and we'll see how that looks. But they're basically returning their whole starting defense. The one guy they lost, they might have replaced him with an upgrade in Trey Flowers and Michael Bennett. So it's a, it's a good group. It's a deep group. It's a veteran group. They've been together. We'll see. I'm assuming Gerard Mayo is going to be calling the plays. I don't believe that's been made official yet, but educated guest tells you that that's going to be the case. He was really aggressive, really aggressive during the preseason when it came to play calling and dialing up blitzes. I hope he does the same because I think this defense can handle it. I think it could be very successful and almost equally importantly, very fun to watch for the fans. So I am expecting big things from this defense. We'll see what the offense looks like. I could see them eh, trying to find their footing a little bit the first month. What I've been saying to people when they keep asking me what it's going to look like against the Steelers, I could see this team starting 2-2 two and two and finishing 14-2. and two. This is that kind of team. So like just, 2003. Just, yes. Uh, there's a lot of parallels, I think, between this team and that team, but – they, there is some finding their footing. You know, Brady's got to get used to these new receivers. He's replacing a lot of receivers, and more importantly, the bigger picture, get used to life without Gronk. And we got to see how, whether it's Gerard Mayo or Steve Belichick, how the play calling syncs up with this defense and having somebody new talking on the headset. But once they get those two things figured out, this is a very, very, very talented team. And it's a team that, for the most part, returns their keys from last year. So it's guys who have experienced playing together and they're not going to have trouble finding the chemistry. And that was part of their problem early on in the season. Even late in the season, last season, they didn't totally seem comfortable playing with each other. That shouldn't be a problem this year. It should not be. And I'll tell you, you know, on the conference call with Steve Belichick uh, on Tuesday, I asked him uh, about the benefit that he has, the intangible benefit of knowing he has veterans in Devin McCourty, Deron Harmon, Pat Chung, all of them know the defense, right? They know right. the calls, and they can see what's coming, and he said, you're absolutely right. They know how to watch the 21 players in front of them, is the way he put it to me. And that's it's an interesting way. You can kind of get some insight as to how Belichick is coaching uh, Steve Belichick is coaching his secondary insofar as you need to watch the 21 players in front of you as a group and notice tendencies, notice keys. And that's why I think this defense, because of the veteran um, leadership and the experience that they have in the secondary, I think they're going to be sensational from the get-go. And the, the question is really just – can the offense do enough to allow the defense to carry them for the first few weeks while they figure out what this thing's going to look like without Rob Gronkowski? Because that's going to be a feeling out process. That's probably going to take a month if we're being like honest about it. I know some people would like it to take quicker. I'm trying to be unbiased, take the blinders off. I, it's probably about a month process, four to five games to figure out the new offense. So can the defense carry them that much? I'd like to think they can. And it's interesting what you said about the safeties. It reminds me of a, a Belichick quote. This is way back. This is like something I remember – reading when I was in high school, I think, that Belichick said the further back you get defensively, the further from the line you are, the more reactionary it becomes. Right. Defensive linemen, are, they're almost have an offensive mentality. And this is me talking now. This isn't the Belichick quote. Defensive linemen have that offensive mentality. They're the one making the actions. The offensive line is reacting. The further back you get, the less it becomes about what you're doing on your own and the more it becomes about what you're doing in terms of reactions. And the best reactionary players are the older guys because they've seen it more. This 
same on offense and defense, but to have that kind of experience they have on the back end, even if it takes a little bit of time to figure out the play calls, those guys, uh, both McCourty's, uh, Chung, Harmon, you could even throw Dante Hightower in there, I think. They're going to be able to react and adjust as necessary post-play call to help things out while Gerard Mayo or whoever it is kind of finds their rhythm as a play caller. Okay, I'm going to give you three names that um, in the trenches, two on the offensive line, and I think they'll be obvious, and yeah. one on the defensive line that I'm going to have my eye on very closely uh, as the start of the season uh, unfolds. And I, on the defensive side, I wouldn't say it's as much a question mark as it is, I think this is an attack point, and that is Danny Shelton um, or whoever yeah. is playing over the nose, right? That's one way I think uh, the the opposing teams are going to try and attack the Patriots in the trenches. It worked in the early part of last year, and I'm curious to see whether or not teams will test them there. On the offensive line, it's obvious, uh, Ted Karras and Isaiah Wynn. Isaiah Wynn looks good um, in preseason, but, you know, how that translates over to uh, the starting uh, units that they'll face in defense, uh, that remains to be seen. And Ted Karras, can he call out the – uh, protection signals as well as David Andrews did for te- uh, Tom Brady. So to go back to the point you made about Sheldon, this kind of ties in what we talked about on the last question too. I think a big point of emphasis for the Patriots, and this is something they really struggled with last year, is getting early leads and create situations where Danny Shelton isn't necessarily on the field. And you can throw a guy like a Michael Bennett or a Byron Cowart in the middle of that defensive line because you're forcing the opponents into situations where they need to pass. Now, I know no-brainer. You want to get an early lead in football. That helps. But Danny Shelton only needs to be so good for so long. This is a team that should be able to open up early leads. This isn't just a good defense. This is a defense that's going to be able to generate a lot of turnovers and create a lot of short fields. So I think the idea is as long as Danny Shelton can hold his own early, and that was part of his problem last year. He didn't look totally in shape, and he would fade later in games. Earlier in games, he'd be okay, but as teams chipped away and ran and ran and ran, they'd get stronger towards the end of the game. I think the plan is this year to really be aggressive on defense, force those turnovers, create short fields, and they want to lock teams into passing situations because the way the Patriots have built this defense last year, and this is kind of what happened in the Super Bowl because it's almost the same defense, but you add Michael Bennett and it sort of blows this point up even more. This is a defense. If they know you're passing, you're not going to be able to pass. Play action. Look, that's very true, but if I'm an offensive coordinator and there are many very brilliant offensive minds in the National Football League that the Patriots uh, will be facing this year, um, they know full well that they're going to have to disguise what they're running offensively. You're not only going to see trick plays, but I think you're going to see a lot of misdirection, and I think you're going to see a lot of play action to try and get the Patriots to overcommit to the pass rush, which they don't really yeah. do. And one reason Belichick has always uh, been a little bit hesitant, you know, to send guys left and right after the quarterback is he doesn't want to disrupt uh, lanes, right? Pass rushing lanes right. or run lanes and get guys like Jamie Collins' first tour of duty here with the Patriots. He was constantly out of position and, you know, guys would run right through the hole that he left. So I will say that's where then when you're talking about the, the misdirection, the trick plays and all that, 
that's where that reactionary nature of the defense and the experience of the defense comes in. And can they be a little more aggressive this year now because these guys have seen so much and because they know what they're doing? And I'm essentially looking at it as building from last year because they're returning essentially 10 of and be, because they were, they came on so strong at the end of the year last year, you look at what they did against the Chiefs in the first half in the AFC Championship. Obviously, the Super Bowl three points was outstanding. Can you build on that now? And knowing you have this solid base, can you then turn it up and get a little more aggressive while still playing disciplined football? And that's something I, a lot of people don't necessarily like to pair together. Aggressive defensive football and disciplined defensive football. And it is hard to do both of those things simultaneously. It really is. But if there's any group that's going to do it, this Patriots defense is built to play that way. We have spent the first 25, 23 minutes or whatever it is talking about the Patriots. we got to talk about who they're playing this week, and that would be right. the Pittsburgh Steelers, who uh, were a dropped pass away against the New Orleans Saints from uh, making the playoffs. And people forget that, but... That's just the way it was. And, you know, when you talk about, um, what the Patriot, what the Steelers lost in Le'Veon Bell, who never did report last year, obviously, and the Mercurial, and I'm being kind here, <laughs> Antonio Brown, a lot of people in Pittsburgh believe this is addition by subtraction. And a lot of the animosity and the acrimony in that, uh, locker room is gone. It'll be fascinating to see how Ben Roethlisberger comes out in the first game with James Conner, his running back, and, you know, they obviously have Juju Smith-Schuster, who dropped the ball in New Orleans. Um, This this Pittsburgh Steelers team is one of those teams I could see going on a redemption tour this year. See, I feel the exact opposite. You mentioned all the drama's gone, but so is a lot of the talent. You're talking about two top three players at their positions, and Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell, and I know he didn't play last year, but, you know, Wanting to stick it to, to those guys is only going to take the Steelers so far. Juju has never had to be a number one receiver outside of that one game at the end of the year where Antonio Brown disappeared, and he didn't have a great game that night. The Steelers lost. It cost him the playoffs. So let's see what Juju does when he's double teamed, maybe even triple teamed. The Steelers have been able to pull wide receivers out of nowhere and turn them into superstars. I really like James Washington. Uh, James Washington's a guy I thought would have been a great fit on the Patriots. I was really bummed that the Steelers drafted him that year, but he's a good player. But we'll see what he can do. We'll see what he can do. Uh, But, you know, Juju's going to be facing a whole new kind of challenge this year. I do think James Conner is good, but he's not Le'Veon Bell. He doesn't quite have that next level explosive that Le'Veon Bell did. I agree, and I see your point, Alex, but they don't need somebody to be – explosive and out of their mind like Le'Veon Bell. You know, they need somebody who can put up 90 to 100 yards a game and chew up the clock and take some of the heat off Ben Roethlisberger. That's what they need. And so that's what I was going to say next is that Ben Roethlisberger is another year older now. And this de- they didn't really improve the defense much. I, they, they drafted Devin Bush, who's a nice pick, but we'll see what he turns into. He struggled in the preseason. I... I, look, the Steelers might win nine games this year. That might win them that division, honestly. I, I think the Browns are a little bit overblown. I think the Ravens are very overblown. Nine wins might win. The one thing I'll say about the Steelers in the context of week one, they're, they're a veteran team and they're still good enough that if the Patriots come out flat, the Steelers can catch them. 
Yeah, I don't see the Patriots coming out flat because of the lesson of two years ago when they played the Chiefs and they let that game slip away. I I just don't see that happening again. I don't either, but if it does, again, the Steelers are a kind of team, the kind of team that, you know, the, the, the key for the Steelers this year, in the past, they've just kind of been this all or nothing offense, go big or go home, that sort of thing. They've just got to hang around enough in games where their experience late in games, Ben Roethlisberger's experience late in close games can give them the edge. That's going to be the key for the Steelers this year. Can they do enough to hang around to keep games close? I'm not sure that going for these big hitters as often as they have in the past is what they're going to want to do this year. They're going to want to, you know, that puts their defense on the field way too much. And they're going to get into track meets, and they're just not a team that's built to win track meets anymore. They're not. Kind of like you said with James Conner, 90 to 100 yards a game, take the pressure off Ben Roethlisberger, control the clock, control the tempo, beat up the opposing defense. That's going to be what the Steelers are going to have to do this year. It's going to look very different from the Steelers teams we've known the last few years. The question is, can they make that transition? Can Ben make that transition? Can an old dog learn new tricks? So I think there's going to be some growing pains there. Will they figure it out? Maybe. But again, that to me is an eight to nine win team they have right now. The other thing about the Steelers, I think you're going to be able to pass on them. Uh, I mean, Joe Hayden's another year older. Um, Sean Save, uh, Sean Davis and Terrell Edmonds are your safeties and, uh, you have Steven Nelson. And Mike Hilton's a nickelback. I, nobody in that secondary scares me. And, you know, and Joe Hayden has been a terrific, fine, uh, corner. And at one point, I think he was considered a top six, top seven cornerback in the NFL, but I don't, don't think he is now. I think he's pretty much just another guy. We'll see. The, the, the part of the Steelers that, that concerns me is up front and, Cameron Hayward, he's a veteran. He's been around ten years, nine years. Uh, Javon Hargrave, Stephon Tuitt, and T.J. Watt. That front four has the capability, I think, of really disrupting the Patriots. They do, and I think we could see a similar game plan to what we saw against the Chargers last year in the AFC Divisional game. Because remember, they also had when we went into that game, we were talking about how are they going to deal with this dangerous Chargers front, and you know. I don't want to compare the secondaries too much because the Chargers have Derwin James. But again, the thing was, if you can handle the pass rush, Brady and these receivers should be able to handle the secondary and should be able to do what they need to do. So I look at it very similarly in this game. I think it's going to be – you're not going to see Tom Brady hold the ball for more than three seconds very often in this one. It's going to be get the snap, turn, look, throw. That's what it's going to be. You're looking at 1.2 to 1.5 from snap to throw in this game. That's got to be the the game plan for me if I'm the Patriots. At least basically you mix other things in. But Tom Brady – and this has become a cliche, but it's true. Tom Brady is his best offensive lineman. When he's getting the ball out in under three seconds, he's untouchable. No pass rusher. Aaron Donald is not getting to the quarterback in under three seconds. You just can't do it. So if I'm the Patriots, inexperienced left tackle, new center, I'm looking to get the ball in and out of Tom Brady's hands as quick as possible in this game. I would agree with that, uh, Alex. I don't think there's any other question. Any any other uh, stories from down in Foxborough at Gillette Stadium, you uh, annoying Evan uh, on a daily basis, <laughs> and Sierra? for a uh, Poor girl. Yeah, really. She she was not ready for me and Evan. She was expecting, you know, like two actual adults, and, and she ended up with a couple of nerdy children. But um, others – I mean, watch Jake Bailey. I've been beating it to death. I'm going to beat point. this horse to death. I, like I don't point. care. 
he is so much fun to watch kick the ball and it's not just the distance everybody's getting wrapped up in the distance and the hang time so i want to give everybody one more thing to watch it's tough to see on tv but you can see it on the replay sometimes watch the spin of the ball watch the rotation he can get it if he hits it right it'll spin on three axes axi whatever it is and we've already we saw three times in this preseason alone where returners muffed or nearly muffed kicks because they're just not used to fielding a ball with that kind of spin. And the way it hits off the, the chest plate of the shoulder pads, it can take a weird bounce. It can take a bounce most punters don't. This is why Belichick used to like to have lefties because the spin on the ball was backwards than what returners were used to and it would throw guys off and create muffed kicks. The reason he's okay with Bailey a righty is because Bailey's spin is so unique it essentially mirrors what you're getting out of a lefty. It doesn't spin like a lefty, but it's so unique, it throws returners off. So don't be surprised to see a muff punt or two Sunday night and just, you know, I know a lot of people like to get up, go to the bathroom, freshen their drink, whatever, during the punts. Watch Jake Bailey punt. It's going to be a lot of fun. I think it will be too. And Bob Sosi, the uh, voice of the Patriots, asked Belichick, uh, interesting question I thought um, on Tuesday in the conference call about the additional reps that Bailey got um, as a holder for Steven Guskowski and how important it was for the kicking team to kind of get some uh, chemistry between the snapper, obviously Joe Cardona, um, Jake Bailey, and Steven Guskowski. And I think that is really one of the reasons you saw Ryan Allen released after preseason game number two. Yep. And that's because, look, Belichick had made up his mind, okay, it's going to be Jake Bailey, it's going to be Jake Bailey. we got to get this guy ready to handle different types of snaps, different types of conditions, different types of field position. And while certainly the weather was ideal pretty much all preseason, right? Um, right. The, uh, certainly the field positions varied. So he wanted to get an idea of how Bailey would handle those holding responsibilities. And, uh, he came through pretty well, I thought. And on top of that, we know how much Bill Belichick values special teams. If you want to really know how they view Jake Bailey, he wasn't 100% ready as a holder. And they still committed to him as their punter. That is what they think of his ability to punt the football. That and I think they don't think they'll be going for field goals a lot. I think they'll, they feel like they're going to get in the end zone. They always have. And, you know, you just hope in a close game it doesn't come down to a kick and, you know, well, there, there's an error made. It's interesting you bring that up because Steven Gustavsky has been a little shaky and Bailey is still a new holder. I was talking to somebody about this the other day. You know, you're at the 35, 40 yard line, fourth and two, fourth and three. I think we'll see them go for it, go for it in that situation more than they have in the past. You got a very strong defense. You got a good short yardage offense. You got maybe the best short yardage passing weapon in the game in Julian Edelman. Again, your kicker's been a little shaky. Your holder's relatively new. I wouldn't be surprised. And this is, this isn't knowing anything. This isn't a, a source. This is just me making an educated guess. You know, those fourth and three and shorter situations inside their half of midfield. I wouldn't be surprised to see them go for a few more of those this year than they have in the past. There you have it. Alex Barth, you can follow him on Twitter at RealAlexBarth, uh, R-E-A-L-A-L-E-X-B-A-R-T-H. Uh, he does a terrific job covering the Patriots down at Gillette Stadium along with Evan Lazar, myself, and Sierra 
Goodwill. You can follow him and our whole Patriots CLNS team this Sunday night as we bring you wall-to-wall coverage of the Patriots season opener at Gillette Stadium against the Pittsburgh Steelers, the raising of Super Bowl banner number six. Also want to thank our great sponsor, BetOnline.ag. For producer Michael Angi and the founder of the network, Nick Gelso, this is Mike Petralia, and this has been the Patriots Beat Podcast, powered by CLNS Media. Hello, I'm Dan Lothian, host of the Behind the Media Podcast on the CLNS Media Network. Along with Jimmy Young, we dive into the biggest media headlines each week with honest, informed, and sometimes irreverent perspectives. It's not all serious. We deliver information and entertainment. As we like to say on Behind the Media, we find the interesting in media so you don't have to go searching for it. Listen to our podcast and get prepped for the next trip to the water cooler. Subscribe to Behind the Media wherever you get your podcast or find us on www.clnsmedia.com.